The Revolt of 2020 by Patrick Johnston. Copyright 2011 by Dr. Patrick Johnston. Read by Daniel Meyer. By kind permission of the author, this reading of The Revolt of 2020 is available for free distribution. Stay tuned at the end of this reading for more information and links to additional resources. Chapter 15. Austin, Texas. After the speeches concluded, people gathered around in clusters, some smiling and taking photographs on this historic day. Others cried and hugged. All of them were full of faith for the future of Texas. Only the vendors were disappointed as the governor's proclamation of a fast instantly brought their sales down to a minimum. Elijah overheard the walkie-talkie of the police officer with whom he had conversed earlier. He moved closer so he could overhear the message from police headquarters. I repeat, we have a 1031 at the corner of 5th and High, said the radio operator. Matthew's Ford dealership, suspects fleeing in a white Mustang southward on 5th. Here we go, thought Elijah. Dwight! Wallace! The police officer shouted at two officers nearby. Try to cut them off at white and high. Officers began to scurry to their cars as the sergeant barked out orders. He began to run to his own car when Elijah grabbed his arm. They told me this would be a diversion. The police officer stopped, turned angrily to Elijah, and jerked his arm out of his grasp. How did you come by this knowledge again? I know who did it. Elijah turned to the taped-off area but could not identify anyone because his view was obstructed by pedestrians. Who? said the police officer. They told me they would start rioting downtown once the officers thinned out. There was a guy with a beard and shoulder-length hair. Elijah pointed at a large oak tree in the taped-off section. There was a thin fellow named Nick with... The officer's radio squealed again. Another 1095 on the corner of Baker and Capitol East. Toyota dealership. The officer tapped the two-way radio on his left hip as he hollered orders into the mic on his shoulder. He ignored Elijah and began to make his way to his car again. If you and your men leave, sir, they will start rioting. There will be a third diversion, they said. Three firebombings in all before the rioting. Another squeal on the radio. Third 1031 at Danfield and Moorhead, Chrysler. Show me who told you this. Elijah ducked underneath the yellow police tape and the officer followed. Natalie followed behind the officer, getting it all on her handheld video camera. The officer informed police headquarters of the lead as Elijah looked around for a familiar face. They were in the very center of the barricaded area with hundreds of counter-protesters, mostly college students, standing and sitting all around them, many of them drinking out of water bottles, sipping what Elijah suspected was clear vodka. Some of them looked with suspicion at the officer and the intruder in the Jesus Saves t-shirt. Elijah stopped under the tree as he looked around for the familiar faces. They're not here. I'm sure you can get fingerprints off those cigarettes. He pointed to a few butts on the ground under the tree. The two suspects were smoking. Look out! Upon hearing Natalie's warning, Elijah turned to see an aluminum baseball bat coming rapidly at his head in a horizontal plane. He ducked quickly and the bat just scraped his scalp, rattling him for a brief moment. Nat! Elijah yelled without thinking, slightly dizzy from his brush with the bat. He jumped back two feet as the second swing of the bat missed his chin by an inch. When the student followed through, Elijah pushed him in the direction of his momentum and sent him reeling off balance, giving him a swift sidekick on the outside of his knee, which Elijah knew would make his leg useless for a few seconds. The perpetrator almost fell to the ground but was helped back to his feet by some friends. Tunnel vision was setting in from his rush of adrenaline and Elijah didn't know what to do. He tried to stay next to Natalie as she continued to film and he assumed the police officer had his back. The officer quickly drew his gun in response to the threat. Even still, he looked like a man who didn't know what to do because they were quickly surrounded by angry, intoxicated young people who appeared to have no fear of getting shot. Elijah had time only for a deep breath. The curses, taunts, and threats from those at the edge of the crowd around them drove fear into their hearts. A blur to Elijah's right caught his attention. Elijah turned quickly to see the officer fall face down on the ground, blood streaming from the back of his head. Rage burned in Elijah's mind as he got a glimpse of the cruel smile of the student who raised his bat high to strike the officer's head again. Elijah's instincts, derived from his training at the police academy, took over. As the assailant prevailing against the policeman began to swing his bat for a second blow to his semi-conscious victim, Elijah delivered a swift front kick to the familiar bearded student's sternum. The bat fell to the ground and the assailant staggered, gasping and coughing, holding his chest. 
Elijah stepped in to deliver a straight right punch to the jaw of the assailant, who was immediately knocked unconscious. The bearded student went limp and collapsed onto his back. Someone else stepped forward, raising a metal pole high to strike Elijah. Elijah assumed a fighting stance and waited for the swing to begin and then stepped out of the way at the last second. The pole just grazed his shoulder. He bent down quickly, grabbed the bat that the bearded SSA student had dropped, and he picked it up with two hands to block the next swing coming at him. Sparks flew as the two metallic objects collided. Help! Help! Natalie screamed as loudly as she could. Help us! She shouted in the direction of the police tape, hoping that someone would come to their aid. The group of counter-protesters that surrounded them suddenly lunged into the conflict with weapons. Elijah hit the first two knife-wielding students with full swings to their knees, which sent them to the ground, moaning. The loud, nauseating cracks that resounded when the bat made contact with those knees made the other students stop in their tracks to rethink their attack plan. Lige! Natalie screamed, pointing behind him. Elijah turned, swinging the bat blindly and connected with the forearm and then the jaw of the young man with the sunglasses. The sunglasses flew into the air and the man moaned as he backpedaled, cradling his shattered mandible in his hands. The other students backed up a step as they watched one of their leaders take such a tremendous blow to the face. The twenty attackers that surrounded him, cursing and yelling threats, were briefly intimidated. Elijah turned back around and noticed that someone had picked up the metal pole and was raising it against his sister, who cringed in fear. Elijah lunged at him with a loud yell, first blocking his swing with his own bat, then swinging up and colliding with the man's groin. Before the hippie could fall to the ground, Elijah spun and connected solidly with his left knee. He then crumpled to the ground, screaming in horrific pain. Natalie had her cell phone open, trying to dial 911 when she screamed Elijah's name again. Elijah felt a tremendous blow to his upper back and shoulders, accompanied by a loud whack. He somersaulted forward and then leaped painfully to his feet, ignoring the deep throb in his back and his temporary breathlessness. He looked around as the cowardly striker sunk back into the crowd carrying a golf club. Elijah gasped when he heard a loud slap coming from Natalie's direction. He turned and saw Natalie on one knee, holding her cheek. One of the young women grabbed Natalie's cell phone out of her hand and another tried to get her video camera. Elijah rushed to her as the thin nylon cord that held the camera around Nat's wrist snapped. Stay next to me, Elijah screamed at Natalie as she gasped and ran to his side. Natalie's light brown cheeks were bright red and her eyes were wide in terror. They were surrounded by intoxicated animosity and the vilest of threats. One of the students grabbed Elijah's bat from behind and for a few seconds there was a tug of war that left Elijah's backside vulnerable again. He finally let it go and the young man who was pulling at his bat fell backwards. The bearded SSA student had regained consciousness and was reaching for the handgun in the grasp of the semi-conscious officer as a student next to him yanked at the two-way radio. The officer was now painfully moaning in a half-conscious state, his face, head, and neck covered with blood. Elijah leaped to his aid, and with his hands on top of the young bearded man's head, he brought his right knee into his face. Before he could get the gun, the bearded man crumpled to the ground as if he were an aluminum can struck with a sledgehammer. The other student freed the radio from the officer's clip and slipped quickly back into the crowd. Please, let us leave! Natalie appealed to their attackers to come to their senses, but to no avail. You can't do this! Please! She saw no pity in their countenances, but only intoxicated rage that was growing with every hippie Elijah crippled in self-defense. Elijah grabbed the billy club off the officer's belt and looked as if he would move toward the nearest threatening student whose fists were raised at him. Then he bent down suddenly and snatched the gun from the officer's grasp before any of the students could beat him to it. He handed the club to Natalie, then chambered around quickly and fired a shot between the heads of the two students near him who appeared most threatening, causing them to duck from fear and from the pain of the speeding hot projectile of lead that whizzed past their ears, deafening them temporarily. Elijah hoped that the sound of gunfire would bring the other police officers to their aid. Back off! Back off! He waved his handgun in the faces of the taunting students and hippies. Nat, get his other hand! Elijah motioned toward the officer on the ground. He grabbed one of the officer's arms as Natalie grabbed the other, and they began to drag the police officer from the crowd as Elijah pointed the cocked weapon at the nearest threat, while keeping it close to his side lest someone be tempted to reach out and grab it. Unbeknownst to Elijah, another male SSA student was lunging at him from behind. A chilling, high-pitched crack awakened him to that fact, and he let go of the officer's hand and spun around to see Jared panting as he held the cracked dowel rod he had borrowed from a sign-holding protester. Below the fractured dowel rod, prone on the glass, was the writhing owner of the skull on which Jared had cracked it. 
Jared helped Elijah pull the officer through the enraged students and pass the yellow police tape. Unfortunately, the police officers had all rushed to the firebombings, and Elijah and Jared found themselves in the precarious position of holding a police officer's gun over the officer's unconscious body on a sidewalk near an intersection surrounded by anarchists and socialists who were just now beginning Project Havoc. We've got to get him out of here, Elijah told Jared. Help me pull him away down the sidewalk. Where's his radio, Jared asked. It's been stolen. My cell phone has been stolen too, Natalie said. They moved down the sidewalk until they had a brick wall to their back. Pro-lifers were beginning to run and scream as hundreds of rioters began smashing windshields with bats, knocking over street signs, and breaking store windows all over downtown Austin. The terror had begun, and the only law enforcement officer in sight was barely conscious. The officer began to mumble and open his eyes a little as he lay on the ground. Natalie was pressing a napkin she had in her book bag against the officer's gaping scalp wound as Elijah kept guard with a handgun. Officer, can you hear me? Elijah yelled to be heard over the roars of the rioting students and hippies that engulfed downtown Austin in chaos. He knelt down and gently slapped the officer's cheeks. Officer! The officer moaned and mumbled incoherently as he came slowly out of his unconscious state. Where are the police? Nat held her bruised jaw with one hand. The vandalism and rioting was breaking out as far as they could see down all four ways of the intersection. Where did all these rioters come from? They were prepared, Elijah said. They were waiting. Shoot him! Shoot the gun into the air or something, Jared said, standing beside Elijah. Natalie had given him the baseball bat and he gripped it tightly and held it over one of his shoulders. Elijah glanced quickly at Jared, unsure of exactly what to do. More than anything else, he was temporarily annoyed at Jared's proposal that he just shoot him. We might need every bullet we've got, and I'm not wasting them to save property. The rioters began to smash the squad car parallel parked just across the street. Rioters were standing on the hood and on the trunk, rocking the car. A few students were trying to break into the trunk of the car to get the weapons they hoped would be inside. Elijah kept a careful eye on them, just in case they succeeded. With Natalie's gentle prodding, the officer slowly regained consciousness and sat up, holding his head and moaning. Holding the officer's gun, Elijah knelt down and grabbed one of the officer's shoulders. SSA is rioting! He gently shook him to get his attention. Deputize me! Me too! Jared looked around him anxiously and held his bat over his shoulder as if to strike the nearest rioter who dared to come too close. He made eye contact with an inebriated jock with a sports bag full of paraphernalia. The jock sized him up and then proceeded to easier targets. The officer looked around and began to realize what was happening. His eyes focused on Elijah, who was grasping tightly onto his para-ordnance 45mm semi-automatic. Give me that. The officer reached for his handgun. There's one in the chamber, Elijah said, placing the handgun on safety. We've got to do something. The officer studied his gun, ejected the magazine, and realized that Elijah had fired around. Elijah helped him to his feet, but the officer became dizzy from his concussion, so he sat back down on the ground. Did you shoot someone? I fired it into the air to save your life. You have to do something, sir. Have me do something. People are getting hurt. The police officer reached for his two-way radio, only to find it missing. Help me back up. The police officer grunted as they helped him to his feet. He would have fallen again, but Elijah helped him stand upright. They looked on helplessly as about 40 rioters flipped the squad car nearby. Elijah could see a dozen hippies surrounding and taunting several couples about a block away. We have to stop this, said Elijah. You just get me to safety, the officer responded. SWAT will be here in a few minutes. Elijah helped the officer down the sidewalk to a storefront, followed closely by Natalie and Jared. They stopped when their way was obstructed by two pro-lifers having a fistfight with three rioters. Elijah saw that the vision of one of the pro-lifers was obscured by blood gushing from a forehead wound. The second pro-lifer was trying to protect his buddy. Natalie put an arm around the officer's waist as Elijah darted over with his bat and from behind took out the knees of two of the assailants. When they were on the ground, he gave them each another solid swing to the other knee. Their screams were pitiful, but Elijah had no pity. They writhed in pain on the ground, disabled. The third rioter ran as the two wounded pro-lifers extended brief thanks to Elijah. The officer intermittently greeted threatening passers-by with the point of the gun, whether they were rioters or frightened pro-lifers. You're in no position to be pointing that gun, Elijah told him. You're going to kill an innocent person.
The glass was shattered on the front of a Greek restaurant, and the lights were shut off inside. Elijah banged on the broken and splintered door. We have an officer in need! Help! A middle-aged, bald man jumped up from behind the counter with a shotgun. He looked cautiously at the group of people huddled at his front door. Please, Elijah pleaded urgently. We have an officer who's been injured. Hurried footsteps approached the half-shattered door. A tremendous crash behind them across the two-lane road startled them. They turned around to see four students with bandanas covering their faces throwing bricks through the large glass windows of a music store. Others were kicking down newspaper stands and destroying parked cars. Come in, quick, the store owner shouted with a Middle Eastern accent as he opened the door. They made their way over shards of glass past the gray-mustached, bald gentleman. Elijah was relieved to see the store owner held a pump shotgun. Jared and Elijah helped the officer to a seat. The officer groaned and asked for a phone. The store owner ran behind the counter and returned with a cordless phone. As the officer dialed, Elijah heard screams in the street directly in front of the store. He looked through the cracked window and saw a flood of people running out of the music store across the street with as many CDs, iPods, and electronics as they could carry. The screams were coming from a woman who watched as her husband was assaulted by a shirtless, tattooed, long-haired fellow in baggy blue jeans. The street bums were taking advantage of the temporary anarchy and joining the melee of crime. The bravest of the innocent who resisted the perpetrators and thieves were met with attack from all sides. The shirtless attacker ran inside the music store and left the injured man alone with his wife. She knelt down next to his motionless body and let out another blood-curdling scream. Elijah became overcome with a frantic desire to intervene. Officer, please! People are getting killed out there! Give me your gun and deputize me! No way! The officer hung up the phone and sat down to apply greater pressure to his scalp laceration. He pressed a towel that the store owner handed him against his skull. Reinforcements are on the way. I was a police officer with the Houston PD for... Give it a rest, will ya? The officer sneered. Reinforcements are coming. He was breathing heavily, still dizzy from the blow and the loss of blood. I can't have you out there killing rioters. The store owner set his shotgun down to look more closely at the wound in the officer's scalp. Elijah saw the weapon on the ground and snapped it up. I need to borrow this. Just bring it back and stay close. We might need it. Lige! Natalie shouted as Elijah darted through the half-open storefront door and into the streets, ignoring the protests of his sister and the officer. Jared was the lone voice to encourage him. Get him, Lige! Go help him, Jared. Natalie nudged Jared toward the door. Jared walked to the window and watched, hesitant to give Elijah another victim to defend. As Elijah ran toward the woman who knelt screaming over her husband, he was briefly interrupted by the sound of gunfire not far away. He looked for the source but could not find the shooter in the crowd. When he reached the couple, he saw that the man was bleeding profusely from his right cheekbone where a deep gash could not be seen because of the blood that filled it. A red brick lay just a few feet away, and Elijah assumed that the brick had caused the injury. The man's eyes were open, and he reached for his wife. Elijah bent down to help him up. Are you okay? Fine, fine. The elderly man was trembling more from a mixture of fear, anger, and adrenaline than pain. The old man looked at Elijah and saw that he had a shotgun in his hands. Do something! Stop these people! He motioned toward the store that was being robbed directly in front of him. This is my son's store! Many of those who flooded in and out of the store through the broken windows wore bandanas over their faces so that they could not be recognized through lurking security cameras. Elijah stood at the entrance to the store, held his shotgun in the air, and screamed, Freeze! Thanks to the noise in the streets, few heard him and fewer still paid him any attention at all. He pulled the trigger with the gun pointed into the air. Blam! The magnum blast sent a flame out of the barrel about six inches. Freeze or I'll shoot! He chambered another round and aimed it at the thieves. Now he had their attention. He pointed at the nearest rioter who carried a stereo under one arm and a dozen discs in the other. Get on the ground now if you want to live. Now! The rioter dropped his stolen goods and assumed a prone position on the ground. Others in the immediate vicinity followed suit. The sound of sirens in the background was comforting to Elijah. Criminals further away from him turned and tried to flee at the sight of the shotgun. Blam! Elijah fired another shot, turning the rioter's legs to jelly. I said freeze or I'll fill you full of buckshot! About ten more rioters immediately joined the twenty that were already prone. 
The police officer, with Jared's help, walked slowly across the street and stood beside Elijah. The officer staggered as he held his head. You're all under arrest. Get on the ground and put your hands behind your back. The officer pointed his handgun at the perpetrators who were the slowest to comply. Elijah snickered at the sight of Jared, who was on the FBI's top ten list as a prime suspect in the terrorist bombing that killed the President of the United States, helping a police officer make arrests. What a sight. The officer would have bent down and handcuffed the first thief he came to, but his head throbbed terribly, so he handed the plastic cuffs to Jared, who was delighted to handcuff the criminal, snatching his bandana off as he did so. The plastic cuffs were used more often in situations such as rioting, as an officer can carry more on his person. The officer gave Jared and Elijah several cuffs, and they stepped through the broken windows into the store and hurriedly started cuffing the rioters' wrists behind their backs. A head popped up from behind the cashier's counter, and Elijah saw the silhouette of a handgun being extended toward him. He had set the shotgun down to handcuff a rioter, now he snatched it up and brought it to his shoulder as he squatted low to the ground. He aimed as he shouted, Drop it! Blam! Elijah's body convulsed from the blast, but he hadn't been struck. The officer beside him gasped and grabbed his abdomen with both hands. The officer dropped his gun and fell to his knees. Jared retrieved the fallen gun as Elijah pointed and fired in the direction of the gunman, obliterating the counter with a single shot of the three-inch magnum shotgun shell. Through a hole in the counter he could see the shirtless, tattooed thief, mortally wounded by the shotgun blast to the chest and neck, leaning against a blood-spattered wall. The officer fell to his knees, and his face turned white right before their eyes. "'It's his aorta,' said Jared, glancing down at the large volume of blood that was pooling on the ground. "'Or his spleen.' When Natalie heard the gunshots, she ran across the street to check on her brother. "'Elijah!' "'I'm okay.' He bent down beside the officer as the pool of blood continued to expand until it enveloped the ground where he was kneeling. "'That store owner wants his gun back.' Elijah extended the gun toward his sister, barrel down. "'Take it, Natalie. It's loaded and the safety's off.' She fled from the room with the gun, and Elijah grasped the officer's hand. Stay with us, sir. The officer's face grew frighteningly pale, his eyes closed, and his breathing rate quickened. Mitch Payne sat on the edge of his leather recliner, clearly a taint of hypocrisy there in a vegetarian's choice of recliners, as he gazed intently at the first story on the 7 o'clock news. There's my boys, he whispered proudly as he watched video clips of masked rioters shattering windows with bricks, breaking windshields with bats, and disabling capitalistic store owners. There were even a few clips of some students in fistfights apparently disagreeing over who had the first claim to some stolen booty. He shouted excitedly as he watched some of his own outrun three police officers. Yes! The newscaster commented, The identities of many of the rioters have yet to be determined. Most of the rioters wore bandanas over their faces. That's the way, just like I trained you. Mitch Payne was so engrossed in the story of his first major riot that he didn't even hear his wife come in the back door. She put her slender fingers on his shoulders, briefly startling him. Without looking at her, he said, Did you hear about the riot downtown? She breathed a seductive sigh. The world is crazy. Makes me crave a nightgown and a glass of wine. He looked back at her and grinned. She was in a good mood this evening. His wife was a senior gastroenterologist at the University of Texas Medical Center. It was a humbling thing that his wife made five times more money than he did. And of that, she frequently reminded him. She had her own bank account. She kept her last name. She spelled woman with a Y. Woman. The thought of having the root word man in the word for woman made her cringe. The chauvinism of past generations had even made the grammar malodorous. She liked her husband, but even he, with all of his progressive ideas, still flaunted nature's sexist tendencies over her head as if to prove that he was the better person. For instance, he always nagged her about having a baby. He wanted one. She didn't. His desire for kids grew with every childless holiday, but if his wife had any suppressed desire for children, she drowned it in Zinfandel. She always said that if he wanted a baby, he could get pregnant and have one. He didn't appreciate that very much, but learned to live with her hatred of their differences. She hated the fact that the woman was the childbearer, the one who got morning sickness, the one who had to take time off from her career to care for an infant, the one who got sore breasts after the baby was born. She wouldn't mind children if the husband could do all the work, 
but even biology it seemed discriminated against women. The man gets the burst of pleasure, and the woman gets fat, nauseous, and ten hours of hard contractions nine months later. Not to mention the dirty diapers, the crying in the middle of the night, the bottles. Breastfeeding was out of the question. Evolution was the cruelest, sexist bigot of them all. She couldn't change everything, but what she could change, she did. She punished nature's sexism every day with a little white contraceptive pill, her husband's persistent pleadings notwithstanding. Breakthrough ovulations that resulted in conception were aborted through over-the-counter morning-after pills. She kept a dose handy just in case she was a couple days late on her period. It was so much more convenient than a surgical abortion of which she had had many in her younger years. Mitch Payne tolerated his wife's intentional barrenness because of her amazing looks and the perks of her high salary. However, she'd packed a couple of pounds on her hips and was racking up more on her credit cards recently, and he was wrestling with discontentment. She removed her hands from his shoulders and went to the kitchen. He turned around and saw her opening the fridge. What's for dinner? he asked. Whatever you're making, she responded coldly, slamming the fridge. He could have slapped himself for saying it like that. He learned long ago how to best word things to keep from offending his sensitive woman, but sometimes she was impossible to please. If he wanted to ever have romance, she had to be happy, and if she was going to be happy, he had to serve her and never, ever expect her to reciprocate. When he blew it, the bed was cold. But he was an enlightened man, and he knew he deserved it. How's Chinese food sound? Without taking his eyes from the television, he reached for the cordless phone. Cashew chicken would be nice, she answered. I'll call in a minute after the news story. They've only made 20 arrests. Pretty low number for 850-plus rioters, don't you think? Apparently his wife wasn't that impressed. She had wandered into the bedroom. He wondered if she was still mad at him. Thank you for listening to this reading from The Revolt of 2020. This chapter was read by Daniel Meyer and engineered by Park Leacock. The Revolt of 2020 and its sequels, The American Tyranny of 2020, and the Uncivil War of 2020 are available for purchase at docjohnstonnovels.com. That's docjohnstonnovels.com. O Lord, turn us back to you. Forgive our sins and heal our land.